0: Section 33 of Fairy and Folk Tales of the Irish Peasantry This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Fairy and Folk Tales of the Irish Peasantry Edited and selected by W. B. Yeats. Section 33 The Devil The Demon Cat Lady Wilde there was a woman in Connemara, the wife of a fisherman, as he had always good luck. She had plenty of fish at all times stored away in the house, ready for market. But, to her great annoyance, she found that a great cat used to come in at night and devour all the best and finest fish, so she kept a big stick by her and determined to watch. One day, as she and a woman were spinning together, the house suddenly became quite dark, and the door was burst open, as if by the blast of the tempest, when in walked a huge black cat, who went straight up to the fire, then turned round and growled at them. "'Why, surely this is the devil,' said a young girl, who was by sorting fish. "'I'll teach you how to call me names,' said the cat, and, jumping at her, he scratched her arm till the blood came. "'There now,' he said, you will be more civil another time when a gentleman comes to see you, and with that he walked over to the door and shut it close, to prevent any of them going out, for the poor young girl, while crying loudly from fright and pain, had made a desperate rush to get away. Just then a man was going by, and hearing the cries, he pushed open the door and tried to get in, but the cat stood on the threshold and would let no one pass. On this the man attacked him with his stick, and gave him a sound blow. The cat, however, was more than a match in the fight, for it flew at him and tore his face and hands so badly that the man at last took to his heels and ran away as fast as he could. "'Now it's time for my dinner,' said the cat, going up to examine the fish that was laid out on the tables. "'I hope the fish is good to-day. Now don't disturb me, nor make a fuss.' "'I can help myself.' "'With that he jumped up "'and began to devour all the best fish "'while he growled at the woman. "'Away out of this, you wicked beast!' she cried, "'giving it a blow with the tongs "'that would have broken its back. "'Only it was a devil. "'Out of this no fish shall you have to-day.' "'But the cat only grinned at her "'and went on tearing and spoiling "'and devouring the fish.' evidently not a bit the worse for the blow on this both the women attacked it with sticks and struck hard blows enough to kill it on which the cat glared at them and spit fire then making a leap it tore their heads and arms till the blood came and the frightened women rushed shrieking from the house but presently the mistress returned carrying with her a bottle of holy water and looking in she saw the cat still devouring the fish and not minding so she crept over quietly, and threw holy water on it without a word. No sooner was this done than a dense black smoke filled the place, through which nothing was seen but the two red eyes of the cat, burning like coals of fire. Then the smoke gradually cleared away, and she saw the body of the creature burning slowly, till it became shrivelled and black like a cinder, and finally disappeared. And from that time, the fish remained untouched and safe from harm for the power of the evil one was broken and the demon cat was seen no more the long spoon patrick kennedy the devil and the hearth money collector for bantry set out one summer morning to decide a bet they made the night before over a jug of punch they wanted to see which would have the best load at sunset and neither was to pick up anything that wasn't offered with the good-will of the giver they passed by a house and they heard the poor banatai cry out to her lazy daughter oh musha take you for a lazy strawn such of a girl do you intend to get up to-day oh oh says the taxman there's a job for you nick ovok oh, says the other it wasn't from her heart she said it we must pass on the next cabin they were passing the woman was on the born ditch crying out to her husband that was mending one of his brogues inside. Oh, tatheration to you, Nick! You never wrung them pigs, and then they are in the potato drills rooting away. The run to lusk with them. Another windfall for you, says the man of the inkhorn. but the old thief only shook his horns and wagged his tail. So they went on, and ever so many prizes were offered to the black fellow, without him taking one. Here it was a gorsoon playing marvels, when he should be using his clappers in the cornfield, and then it was a lazy drone of a servant to sleep with his face to the sod, when he ought to be weeding. No one thought of offering the hearth money man even a drink of buttermilk, and at last the sun was within half a foot of the edge of Coolia. They were just then passing Mollin and a poor woman, that was straining her supper in a skiodge, outside her cabin door seeing the two standing at the bourne gate bawled out oh here's the hearth money man run away with him got a bite at last says nick oh no no it wasn't from her heart says the collector indeed and it was from the very foundation stones it came no help for misfortunes in with you says he opening the mouth of his big black bag and whether the devil was ever after seen taking the same walk or not Nobody ever laid eyes on his fellow traveller again. The Countess Kathleen O'Shea A very long time ago, there suddenly appeared in Old Island two unknown merchants of whom nobody had ever heard, and who nevertheless spoke the language of the country with the greatest perfection. Their locks were black, and bound round with gold, and their garments were of rare magnificence. Both seemed of like age. They appeared to be men of fifty, for their foreheads were wrinkled and their beards tinged with grey. In the hostelry, where the pompous traders alighted, it was sought to penetrate their designs, but in vain they led a silent and retired life, and whilst they stopped there they did nothing but count over and over again out of their money-bags pieces of gold whose yellow brightness could be seen through the windows of their lodging. "'Gentlemen,' said the landlady one day, "'how is it that you are so rich, and that being able to succour the public misery, you do no good works?' "'Fair hostess,' replied one of them, "'we didn't like to present arms to the honest poor. In dread we might be deceived by make-believe paupers. Let want knock at our door, we shall open it.'" The following day, when the rumor spread that two rich strangers had come, ready to lavish their gold, a crowd besieged their dwelling. But the figures of those who came out were widely different. Some carried pride in their mien; others were shamefaced. The two chapmen traded in souls for the demon. The souls of the aged was worth twenty pieces of gold, not a penny more, for Satan had had time to make his valuation the soul of a matron was valued at fifty when she was handsome and a hundred when she was ugly the soul of a young maiden fetched an extravagant sum the freshest and purest flowers are the dearest at that time there lived in the city an angel of beauty the countess kathleen o'shea she was the idol of the people and the providence of the indigent as soon as she learned that these miscreants profited to the public misery, to steal away hearts from God, she called to her butler. Patrick, said she to him, how many pieces of gold in my coffers? A hundred thousand. How many jewels? The money's worth of the gold. How much property in castles, forests, and lands? Double the rest. Very well, Patrick. Sell all that is not gold, and bring me the account. I only wish to keep this mansion, and the domain that surrounds it. Two days afterwards, the orders of the pious Kathleen were executed, and the treasure was distributed to the poor in proportion to their wants. This, says the tradition, did not suit the purposes of the evil spirit, who found no more souls to purchase. Aided by an infamous servant, they penetrated into the retreat of the noble dame, and purloined from her the rest of her treasure in vain she struggled with all her strength to save the contents of her coffers. The diabolical thieves were the stronger. If Kathleen had been able to make the sign of the cross, adds the legend, she would have put them to flight. But her hands were captive. the larceny was effected. Then the poor called for aid to the plundered Kathleen. Alas, to no good. She was able to succour their misery no longer, she had to abandon them to the temptation. Meanwhile, but eight days had to pass before the grain and provender would arrive in abundance from the western lands. Eight such days were an age, eight days required an immense sum to relieve the exigencies of the dearth, and the poor should either perish in the agonies of hunger, or denying the holy maxims of the gospel vend for base lucre their souls, the richest gift from the bounteous hand of the Almighty, and Kathleen hadn't anything, for she had to give up her mansion to the unhappy. She passed twelve hours in tears and mourning, rending her sun-tinted hair and bruising her breast of the whiteness of the lily. Afterwards she stood up, resolute, animated by a vivid sentiment of despair. She went to the traders in souls what do you want they said you buy souls yes a few still in spite of you isn't that so saint with the eyes of sapphire today i come to offer you a bargain replied she what i have a soul to sell but it is costly what does that signify if it is precious the soul like the diamond is appraised by its transparency it is mine the two emissaries of Satan started. Their claws were clutched under their gloves of leather. Their grey eyes sparkled. The soul, pure, spotless, virginal of Kathleen. It was a priceless acquisition. Beauteous lady, how much do you ask? A hundred and fifty thousand pieces of gold. It's at your service, replied the traders, and they tendered Kathleen a parchment sealed with black, which she signed with a shudder. The sum was counted out to her. As soon as she got home, she said to the butler, "'Here, distribute this. With this money that I give you, the poor can tide over the eight days that remain, and not one of their souls will be delivered to the demon.' Afterwards she shut herself up in her room and gave orders that none should disturb her. Three days passed. She called nobody. She did not come out. When the door was opened, they found her cold and stiff. She was dead of grief. But the sale of this soul, so adorable in its charity, was declared null by the Lord, for she had saved her fellow citizens from eternal death. After the eight days had passed, numerous vessels brought into famished island immense provisions in grain. Hunger was no longer possible. As to the traders, they disappeared from their hotel without any one knowing what became of them. But the fishermen of the Blackwater pretend that they are enchained in a subterranean prison by order of Lucifer until they shall be able to render up the soul of Kathleen, which escaped from them. End of section thirty three. Recording by Michelle Eaton.